Chapter 15 Girl Gone Wild Emily had been unusually quiet on the car ride over. Her dad and Martin were discussing some horror movie they had both seen, but she had never heard of. She simply sat back and listened. This felt right, she thought. When her dad dropped them off, she remained silent, only tossing her dad a wave as he drove away. Emily felt like she was in a dream and wasn't so much walking into school as she was floating. As soon as they were safely inside, Emily pushed Martin against her locker and began kissing him over and over again. She was lost in her own little world now and ignored the catcalls for them to get a room. Martin was her man and she didn't care who knew it or what they said. And Martin started to pull away. Emily grabbed him and jerked him back. He looked at her confused. She shook her head and flashed him a mischievous grin. They waited until most of the other kids had disappeared, leaving only a few stragglers behind. When they were finally alone, Emily quickly dragged Martin into the ladies' room. Seeing that it was empty, she now pulled Martin into one of the stalls, locking the door behind her. Neither one of them spoke. They didn't have to. They both wanted the same thing. He leered down at her breasts, practically drooling over them. In response, she arched her back and pushed her chest up so that he could get a really good look. Touch me here, she whispered, guiding his large hands to her chest. She groaned as his long fingers squeezed her breasts. Thank God she hadn't worn a bra today. He lifted her shirt and leaned down. She jumped as his tongue flicked across her nipples. Now Emily bucked her hips in want of him. His lips sealed around her left breast, making her cry out. Her hips continued to buck as he drove her wild. By the time his mouth had moved onto the other breast, she couldn't take it anymore. Put it in, she screamed. Fuck me. In one quick motion, he pushed her against the stall door. Emily responded in kind, quickly hiking up her skirt and shoving her panties down as he got his pants open. She turned around and bent over, making it easy for him to violate her. Seconds later, he pushed himself inside of her. She came immediately, leaving a dreamy smile on her face, but he was just getting started. Her smile faded, replaced by open-mouthed lust. She loved him, loved how hard he was, loved how heavy he felt inside of her, loved the way he abused her pussy with his big, throbbing cock. His thrusts were steady and even, hitting her just right. Nevertheless, she screamed, screamed herself raw, and after that, whimpered as he continued to have his way with her. Suddenly, he grabbed her hips, pulling her back as he pushed all the way forward. She gasped, wanting desperately to scream again, but found she could not. He was all the way in and had bottomed out the head of his cock, now pushing firmly against her womb. He came hard. The suddenness of it made her jump. He asserted himself now, grabbing her hips tight, holding her in place as he filled her full of thick, hot cum. There was so much, but her pussy drank it all in, not spilling a drop. Spent, he let her go and pulled out. 
Her legs gave out on her, and she dropped to her knees. Jesus, she said, her breath shaky, making her words come out in a stutter. He started to pull up his pants, but she immediately put a stop to that. On her knees before him, she took his flaccid cock in her hand and directed it toward her mouth. Her mind reeled. It looked like his dick had gotten bigger. She didn't know how that was even possible, and yet she held the proof in her hands. She tried to put it in her mouth, but it was a struggle to even get the tip in. She soon gave up, but didn't leave him hanging for long. Her sharp tongue darted out and began to lick the long shaft, drooling a little as she tasted the salt of his cum and the tartness of her pussy. Emily finished one side and started on the other. Her body ached for him again, but a terrible thought struck her then. What if he got so big that he didn't fit inside of her anymore? Emily didn't think she could live without it, not even for a day, without going completely mad. No, she told herself, they'd find a way to make each other happy. Still, the thought sent a chill down her spine. Emily wished now that she had convinced Martin to skip school with her today. If they had done that, then they could have spent the entire day making love. Again, making love was a very romantic way of putting it. Fucking was the more appropriate term. And Emily knew, perhaps instinctively, that Martin would certainly be up to fucking her all day long. But where could they go? Neither one of them had a car, and both Rosie and her dad were off work today and were probably doing something very similar to what she and Martin had just done. So home was out of the question. They could go to her special place, by the willow tree, but it had been raining most of the night and morning. Plus, it was at least a ten-mile walk from school. Emily silently sighed in frustration. God, why did this have to be so hard? Why can't I just fuck my boyfriend until we both pass out from exhaustion? Emily pulled away from him. There, she said, all clean. She stood and pulled up her panties. Martin followed suit and pulled up his pants. Dressed, Emily busied herself by looking through her purse. Now that the deed was done, she again felt shy around him, as if her rational mind was appalled by what her physical body had just done. So, she spent extra time digging through her purse, until finally pulling out a can of soda. Emily opened the can and took a sip, washing the taste of him out of her mouth. But she could feel his eyes burrowing into her. Emily turned and saw him staring intensely at the soda in her hand. She held it out to him. He snatched it, guzzling it down without taking a breath. When he finished, he stared at her again like an animal, thirsty for more. The look scared her, and she quickly shook her head. That seemed to appease him, and his features softened. But I have something else for you, Emily said. She smiled, but could now hear the nervousness in her own voice. She dug through her purse again, and soon held up a phone. There was nothing smart about it. It was just a simple flip phone for calls and texts. Emily thought he'd like it, though, because it looked so retro. Proudly, she held it out to him. He didn't take it. Instead, he held up his hands and shook his head. You didn't have to do that, he said quietly. But I wanted to, Emily said. She was still smiling, but was also starting to get annoyed. I wish you hadn't, Martin said quietly. Why? Emily asked. 
the smile dropping from her face. How much was it? he asked. What the hell is your problem? Emily thundered, folding her arms across her chest. I just don't want you wasting your money is all, he answered. Emily scowled. She wanted to punch him right now, but then she remembered that intense, animal look he had given her earlier, and that scared her enough to keep her distance. It was a hundred dollars, she said, the venom still in her voice. Seventy for the phone and thirty for the minutes. Okay? That's too much, he said, a pained look on his face. Emily threw up her hands in exasperation and then turned away from him. Okay, she thought. I have two options. I can act like a typical teenage girl, call him an asshole, break up with him, and then sleep with all his friends. Except he doesn't really have any friends except me, and I'm not exactly the most popular girl at school. Or I can act like an adult and see it from his point of view. He grew up poor, never really had a lot, and a hundred dollars must seem like an extravagance to him. Emily sighed. Their first fight made worse, especially after what they had just done. I can forgive him, she thought. Plus, he does have a really big dick. She smiled. Let's not fight, she said, turning to face him again. He was on his guard, but she quickly diffused the situation by embracing him. I just wanted to do something nice for you, she said, because you're so nice to me. She kissed him and then pulled away. And don't do anything crazy like trying to pay me back either, she snapped. I can read your mind, mister. You can? he asked. She nodded, drawing him close. And it's absolutely filthy, she said as she unzipped his pants. Just like mine, she said now, her lips trembling. Her fingers wrapped around the long shaft, barely fitting around the circumference. She stroked him. His groans egged her on as she got off on the naughtiness of what she was doing. She got him hard almost immediately. Emily continued to jerk him off, loving the mixture of pain and pleasure on his face. His big thing throbbed in her hand. Her body ached for him to be inside of her again, perhaps knowing instinctively that he was about to explode. He was close, so close. A voice at the back of her mind told her to let him blow his load all over her, marking his territory for all to see. But an inner sense of modesty asserted itself. Modesty that reminded her that she was still at school, with no change of clothes. So instead, she dropped to her knees again, her lips sealed tightly around the tip of his cock, as cum poured down her throat. She drank it all, without spilling a drop. Now that, she thought, is how you make your man happy. She stood, wiping her mouth with the back of her hand. He stood with a smile on his lips, but a look of surprise on his face. What? she said, and then asked, Are you just going to stand there with your dick hanging out? He looked down. She laughed and exited the stall, leaving him to sort out his business. Emily went to the sink, intending to wash her face, but paused when she saw her reflection in the mirror. She was glowing. She had heard some of the other girls say that, but until now had no idea what that meant. It was the way her smile lit up her face and the way her eyes sort of shined, pure joy radiating through. Martineau stood behind her. She wondered if he even noticed. Probably not, but he did notice something else about her. 
and she could feel his eyes tracing the curves of her hips as she bent over the sink. Her smile turned into a wicked grin. She reached back, hiking up her skirt. Do it hard, she said. I tell you, Gretchen, there's nothing else like it in the world, Emily said. On most days, Gretchen would tolerate and only half-listen to whatever her friend said, nodding her head and eating her lunch as Emily went off on whatever topic had struck her fancy that day. And of course, Emily happened to be an expert on everything. But today, Gretchen sat in rapt attention, her food cold and uneaten. She was also seething with envy. It wasn't fair. Why did Emily, of all people, get to have a boyfriend? Gretchen's mind wandered for a moment, and now she wondered just how many times she had fantasized about Emily's dad. The fantasy usually played out with Emily's dad offering her a ride home. As they drove, she could see a bulging erection in the man's pants. Halfway home, he would pull over and tell her to touch it, and then to touch herself. It's like being part of something bigger than yourself, you know, Emily said, stuffing her mouth full of french fries. And I do mean bigger, Emily laughed, a muffled laugh, as she continued to chew her food. At first, Gretchen looked at her friend in complete confusion. Oh, it's a sex thing, Gretchen thought, and then smiled and nodded. I let him put it in my butt, Emily said. What? Gretchen cried. I don't know, Emily began. Something just came over me. I guess I just got lost in the moment, and I made him do it. Did it hurt? Gretchen asked, a disgusted look on her face. Emily scarfed down more french fries, and then nodded. He's pretty big, Emily said, and there was blood the next day when I went to the bathroom. God, Emily, Gretchen began. Emily smiled, a sly smile, and then said, I kind of want him to do it again. Gross, Gretchen said. That's what you think now, Emily said. But just wait until you get a boyfriend. You'll be surprised what you'll do for him or let him do to you. Yeah, right, Gretchen said defeated. Like that's ever going to happen. Even if my face wasn't covered in zits, boys would still be grossed out because of who my mom is. God, it sucks being Miss Gillespie's daughter. Emily nodded sagely and took Gretchen's hand into hers. Let me give you some advice, Emily said. Emily was doing her wise old woman routine, which usually annoyed Gretchen to no end. The advice Emily usually gave was rarely helpful. Not only that, but Gretchen was actually two months older than her friend. Emily didn't even notice her annoyance, which wasn't surprising. Instead, Emily made a grand gesture toward the table across from them. It's the quiet boys you should go after, Emily said. The nerds, the geeks, the losers, and the outcasts. Gretchen nodded. That actually made a certain kind of sense. And you need to approach them first, Emily stressed. I know. That goes against everything we're taught as girls, Emily continued. But Martin and I wouldn't be together if I hadn't made the first move. And now, I can't imagine a life without him. Again, Gretchen nodded, surprised that her friend appeared to be a fountain of wisdom today. Oh, another thing, Emily added. All that stuff about your first time being special is bullshit. Martin came over one night, and we just did it. Every time I'm with him is special, and I want it, like, all the time. Emily fell unusually silent. Usually, she just kept talking, even with her mouth full. 
but Gretchen appreciated this momentary lull in conversation. Her friend had given her a lot to think about. When she played with herself, Gretchen usually fantasized about some big guy with muscles slobbering all over her. But a couple of the guys over at the loser's table did look kind of cute. Emily polished off the rest of her french fries. I'll tell you something else, Gretch, Emily said, her mouth full of food. Gretchen smiled, as Emily seemed to be back to her old self again, and she found that somewhat comforting. Emily was a good friend, even if she could be obnoxious sometimes. Gretchen just had to keep telling herself that she was happy that her friend had finally found someone to be with. Emily swallowed and then said, I've probably learned more getting my brains fucked out in the bathroom this morning than I've ever learned at this dumb school. Emily took a sip from her soda and then took a big bite from her hamburger. I mean, what did I really miss? Emily asked, but did not wait for an answer. Making paper airplanes in my applied science class while that perv, Mr. Frank, stares at my tits the entire time? Gretchen nodded, although at this point having a man, even a balding, fat, middle-aged man, staring at her tits did sound kind of appealing. God, Gretchen thought, I'm becoming just like my mother. Or watching as Miss Gillespie shoves her old ass in my boyfriend's face while supposedly teaching us English literature. Emily looked at her friend, alarmed. Sorry, Gretchen, Emily said. Gretchen held up her hands. No, it's all right, Gretchen said. It's embarrassing, I know. I wish my mom would settle down with someone already and stop doing shit like that. Or at least put on some underwear, Emily laughed. Gretchen's face went red. She couldn't help but wonder if that's how she was going to end up. A desperate old woman hitting on teenage boys, even when she was well past her prime. Emily squeezed her hand. There's someone for everyone, Emily said as a peace offering. Gretchen nodded. Hey, Emily, a voice called out from across the other side of the lunchroom. Emily jerked her head in that direction. Then she jumped out of her seat as Leah Carlson approached. Emily quickly positioned herself so that Gretchen sat behind her and Leah stood in front. What do you want, Leah? Emily snarled. Even though Leah had a couple of inches on Emily, Leah still cringed back a little. Most of the girls knew enough not to mess with Emily, and not just because her dad was the sheriff either. Emily was quick to anger and did not back down from a fight. She also had no problem letting her fists fly. Just last week, Emily had pushed a girl over, twice her size, and punched her full in the face. It hadn't exactly made her popular, but it meant that people were weary of trying to start something with her. Not only that, because Gretchen was Emily's friend, no one messed with her either. And for that, Gretchen felt eternally grateful. You think you're pretty hot shit, don't you? Leah screamed, just because you have a boyfriend now. Gretchen couldn't help but notice that Leah stood a safe distance away as she called Emily out. Emily scoffed. Does Trump know you're a lesbian yet? Emily asked. Does he even know what a lesbian is? I'm not a lesbian, Leah cried. The other kids had fallen silent as they watched Emily and Leah square off against each other. Oh, really? Emily said in mock surprise. I guess we all just assumed, since Coach Heatherson keeps you after school, to lick her pussy for extra credit. I'm not a lesbian, Leah said louder this time. Gretchen could tell that the other girl was on the verge of tears. Emily always took things way too far. Emily, Gretchen cried, just sit down. Emily looked at her friend, and then back at Leah, and then back at her friend again. I don't need this crap, Emily muttered under her breath, but she did start to head back to her chair. As soon as Emily turned her back, Leah called her out again. Just thought you should know, Leah cried. 
Your boyfriend just got caught in the girl's locker room. Leah laughed and then added, And the little perv was completely naked. Emily turned, turned so quickly that Leah jumped back. What did you do? Emily screamed, narrowing the gap between them, giving Leah no chance to run. I didn't do anything, Leah whined pitifully. What did you have Trunk and Billy do? Emily asked, her voice frighteningly cold. Leah started to say something, but decided against it, only shaking her head in response. Emily continued to stare the other girl down. Everyone could feel the tension in the air, and Leah stood in the thick of it. It didn't take long for Leah to break. It was just a joke, Leah sobbed. That's all. Emily's fist shot out. Leah staggered back, her nose bloody. She collapsed a few seconds later, still holding her nose. As soon as Leah dropped, Emily kicked her hard in the stomach. Leah let out a groan. Then Emily fell on top of her, her fists flying. Emily, stop! Gretchen screamed, but her friend was well past the point of reason, and all Leah could do was hold up her hands to weakly defend herself. It took three teachers to pull Emily back, and she fought them the entire time. Eventually, they restrained her. Leah sobbed as some of the other girls helped her to her feet. At the cafeteria exit, Emily briefly pulled free. I'll kill you bitches, every last one of you, Emily screamed. If you ever mess with my man again. The teachers rushed to grab her again, but Emily had already made her way to the exit and kicked the doors open. Gretchen stood trembling. Her friend had gone completely mad. Joe sighed as he entered the principal's office. He paused briefly and said a silent prayer. Emily glared at him as he entered and then turned her face away, folding her arms across her chest. Well, we're not going to get anything out of her, Joe thought. Instead, Joe turned his attention to Principal Wellington. The man stood. Wellington was a short, balding man with a gut. Just like last time, the man's hand felt cold and clammy. Have a seat, Wellington said. Sorry we have to meet again under these circumstances. Joe nodded. The man seemed nice enough. But Joe still remembered when Mr. Wellington was just Mike Wellington. And Mike Wellington had been a weaselly little shit who no one liked. Joe didn't think the man had changed that much over the years. Well, here we are again, Wellington said with an exaggerated sigh. Care to explain yourself, young lady? Not really, Emily said flatly. Wellington looked like he had just been hit in the nuts. And Joe almost laughed, but caught himself. This is a serious matter, Wellington said, stammering a little, unsure of himself. To you, Emily answered, her voice an icy cold. Again, Joe had to wonder what had happened to his daughter. This wasn't like her. It was true Emily had a temper. She had inherited that from her mother. Nor was his little girl one to back down from a fight. But Emily was usually even-handed, going only so far as to balance the scales against who had ever wronged her. What most people didn't know, however, was his daughter would always feel guilty about it afterwards. When they were here last week, after the very one-sided fight with Summer, Emily sat there quietly, looking down at the floor, her face red, as she struggled to hold back the tears. Now Emily stared blankly at Wellington, and the look obviously had unnerved the man a little as he shifted uncomfortably in his seat. I thought we had an understanding, the man said now. You were wrong, Emily answered, 
Her voice was still cold, so cold that a chill ran up Joe's spine. Joe didn't know much about what had happened, but what little the dispatcher had told him had disturbed him. Emily had savagely beaten some girl down, and they had to pull Emily off the girl like she was some sort of animal. Again, he wished his wife were here. Beth would have known what to do. Was Emily acting up because she missed her mom? You may not think so, young lady, Wellington said, becoming a little more agitated now. But this is serious. You attacked another classmate. If she didn't want to get hit, then maybe Leah should stop acting like such a bitch. Emily snapped, cutting the man off. Emily, Joe growled. What? I didn't start any of this, Emily cried. What you did, young lady, Wellington began. I'm not a young lady, Emily said, cutting the man off again. You assaulted that girl, Wellington shouted, spittle flying out of his mouth. You're lucky she's not pressing charges right now, or your father would be hauling your ass to jail right now. Joe held up his hand, and everybody fell silent. He was glad that he held at least some authority here. Joe let the silence linger for a moment before dropping his hand. Joe now turned to his daughter and quietly asked, Why don't you tell us why you did it, Emily? Emily didn't answer him. Instead, she turned all her gaze on the principal, and Joe could see the disgust she held for the man written all over her face. Do you know why Leah is not pressing charges? Emily said quietly. I'm all ears, Wellington said, and Joe could hear the contempt in the man's voice. It's because she's been harassing Martin since the beginning of the school year. Martin? Wellington asked. Martin's all, Emily said. The guy who looks like Clark Kent, Joe offered. Oh, of course, Wellington said, nodding. That's right, Emily hissed. The guy who looks like Clark Kent. A kind and caring man who's been hurt more times than anybody should. Wellington shifted uncomfortably in his seat again. He started to say something, but Emily immediately cut him off. Did you know he almost died? Emily said flatly. Leah sent Trunk and Billy to beat Martin up. You don't have proof of that, Wellington said, stammering again. Trunk and Billy beat him up so bad, they cracked some of Martin's ribs. And if my dad hadn't gotten Martin to the hospital when he did, he would have suffocated to death. I'm not sure what the exact cause was. Something about a combination of injuries? Well, it sounds like some of the boys were roughhousing, and it got out of hand, Wellington said. Still a weasel, Joe thought. I suppose that's one explanation, Emily said. Before Wellington could interrupt, she added, I'm sure Martin will be happy to provide a copy of his medical records to your attorney when I convince him to sue the fuck out of you. Now wait a minute, Wellington said, losing his cool again. And it wasn't the first time they did it either, Emily continued, although I suppose the other times weren't as serious. So I guess that's okay. Joe, Wellington said, laughing nervously. Are you going to let her talk to me like this? Joe said nothing. I guess it helps when your dad is rich, like Trunk's dad is, Emily said nonchalant. Or when your mom has some high muckety-muck on the PTA, like Billy's mom. You're not seeing the bigger picture here, Wellington answered pathetically. Anyway, that's why Leah didn't press charges, Emily said, again nonchalant, although both men could sense the tension building in the room. As for the bigger picture, Emily said, I have one class where all I do is make paper airplanes the entire time, 
and pray I don't get hit on by Mr. Frank, like pretty much every other girl in my class. Well, that's a complicated situation, Wellington began. Weasel, Joe thought again. Then I have another class where my teacher, Miss Gillespie, a 40-year-old woman who looks 90, parades around class without any underwear so she can show off her bare ass to all the boys. You know her, Daddy. Gretchen's mom? Joe shuddered, remembering a long-suppressed parent-teacher conference he had had with the woman. And those two are just the worst, Emily continued. And most of my other classes, we just sit and watch movies. Because my teachers just don't give a shit anymore. Joe, Wellington said, are you just going to sit there and let her talk to me that way? Is this how you taught your daughter to behave? Well, Mike, Joe said, I'm not sure what to say. My daughter has brought up some serious charges against your school. I may need to talk to the DA about this. Maybe even get the state police involved. Emily slammed her fist down on Wellington's desk, causing both men to jump. You should be fired, Emily screamed. You pathetic asshole. Emily, Joe cried. That's enough. You're expelled. Wellington screamed back. Good, Emily said, leaning back in her chair. I hate your fucking school. Wellington scoffed and then mumbled, Try getting a job without a high school diploma. Hello, Emily said. I'm 18. I can get my GED. Get out, Wellington thundered. He stood, as did Joe, but Emily remained seated. No, she said. What? Wellington asked incredulously. No, Emily repeated. Wellington stared at her in disbelief. Emily met his gaze. I want my phone back, Emily said. The one you're holding in your hand? Wellington asked, confused. Emily shook her head. The one I gave to Martin, Emily said slowly, as if speaking to a child. The one Billy took after he and Trunk shoved Martin into the girls' locker room. Now come on, Wellington said pompously. We don't know it was them. Emily tapped a couple of buttons on her phone, and soon Billy Zubbo's voice filled the room. Hey, Emily, Billy said. We beat up your boyfriend. If you're sick and tired of some loser with a small dick, then give me a call. I'll make you scream in ways that you can't even imagine. You got my number. The call ended. Wellington laughed. The laughter sounded forced. That doesn't prove anything, Wellington said. For all I know, you gave Billy your number, or he borrowed the phone to play a joke on you. It sounded weak and Joe was pretty sure that not even Wellington believed it either. But this was the hill the man wanted to die on. It's funny, Emily said. I've never seen Billy's cock, and have no desire to ever do so. But I happen to know from first-hand experience that my boyfriend is hung like a horse. So clearly, Billy is lying. And I'm supposed to take your word for it, Wellington cried, spittle coming out of his mouth again. I can ask Martin to come in here and drop his pants for you if you like, Emily said. Wellington's face went a beet red. Emily, Joe snarled, I think you and I need to talk privately. Oh my god, Dad, she said exasperated. Really? Yes, Martin and I have had sex, but before you freak out, I'm on the pill and I'm the one who initiated it. Jesus, I'm not your little girl anymore. Joe felt the entire world collapse around him. Emily must have seen the pain and shock on his face, and now her face mirrored his own. We can go home now, Emily said. 
Neither one of them spoke as they exited the school. The silence held as Joe started the car and pulled into traffic. Joe just wanted to drive. He didn't care where he went, as long as it was someplace far away. About a mile or so out, Emily broke down and began to sob. Joe sighed. Emily, Joe said, I'm not mad. That was a lie, but the anger he felt was more directed at himself. If he had just paid a little more attention to her, maybe none of this would have happened. No, that was stupid. He suspected that all fathers went through something like this. It's probably why Beth's dad hated him so much. Would he be that way with Martin? Would he resent Martin for stealing his little girl away? Joe didn't think so. He liked Martin well enough, just not so much right now. Overall, Martin was a good guy, guilty of nothing more than being a stupid kid, full of hormones, and there really was no cure for that. And when Joe really thought about it, the two of them were a lot alike. He wondered if Emily had picked up on that too, at least on a subconscious level. Joe made a conscious decision, then and there, that as long as Martin treated Emily right, then he would have no beef with the younger man. Emily, on the other hand, well, he had no idea what had happened to her. Something had changed, though. That was clear. Oh, God, what if she's pregnant, he thought. That would certainly explain a lot. When Bethany had been pregnant with Emily, Beth's emotions had been all over the place. Like mother? Like daughter? Emily had told them that she was on the pill, but had she told them that just to appease him? To soften the blow? I'm not mad, Joe said again, but this statement was directed more at himself than her. I just need you to talk to me, Joe said now. I can't, Emily sobbed. Why can't you, Joe asked. Because you don't understand, she cried. Then help me understand, he said, trying not to let his frustration get the better of him. I can't, she cried. They were going in circles, and Joe felt his resolve starting to break. He forced himself to keep calm. This was about her, not him. I want to help you, he said, but I don't know what to do. You're getting into fights, you're having sex, and it just makes me wonder what else is going on. You don't understand, she screamed. Then tell me who does understand, Joe screamed back, so I can go talk to them. Mom would have, Emily said quietly. Joe sighed. He made a quick U-turn and started heading back the way they came. Where are we going? Emily asked. She was still crying, and he hated seeing her like that. He also hated himself for not being able to fix the problem. Rosie's, Joe said quietly. Emily had stopped crying at some point, and Joe briefly hoped that the worst of it was over. He was wrong, for as soon as Rosie answered the door, Emily burst into tears. Rosie quickly ushered Emily inside, leaving Joe standing dumbfounded at the doorstep. A few seconds later, he wiped his feet on the mat and stepped inside. Emily and Rosie sat on the couch. Summer, Rosie's daughter, sat in a chair, looking about the way he felt, annoyed and pissed off. Emily stopped crying and then gave Rosie a hug. Joe couldn't believe it. Rosie flashed him an understanding smile. Then Rosie turned to Summer. Summer, she said, do you want to come with us? Emily and I are going to do some window shopping and get something to eat. Why, Summer said, so I can, can listen to you to talk about Martin? No, thanks. Summer got up and then stormed off to the kitchen. Rosie rolled her eyes and shook her head. But that gave Joe an idea. Rosie had helped him with his troubled teen. Maybe he could return the favor. 
Joe entered the kitchen and found Summer washing some dishes at the sink. Joe realized he had never seen the girl up close before. Whenever he visited Rosie, Summer just seemed to fade into the background. Up close, Summer would never pass for somebody's idea of a dream girl, unless that dream happened to be a nightmare. But she didn't look like a transvestite either, which had been his initial impression of the girl, although she had shaved the sides of her head, which wasn't helping her cause. If anything, she looked boyish. Peter Pan almost immediately came to mind, and that seemed right, her flat chest and skinny body only adding to the effect. Wasn't Peter Pan usually played by a woman? Joe thought randomly. He had read that somewhere. Though the girl was freakishly tall and even had a couple of inches on him. That struck Joe as odd, as it didn't make sense. Joe had met Rosie's ex a couple of times, and the man was short and stout, and had a bit of a Napoleon complex because of it. Rosie wasn't exactly a giant either. Something didn't add up. Summer was tall and skinny, kind of like Martin. He felt like he was on the verge of figuring something out, but at the last second, he had an image of the girl flying around on stage, held up by wires, and almost laughed, and in doing so, completely lost his train of thought. But the girl wasn't completely stripped of womanly features, he saw now. She had a nice, feminine curve to her hips, which she had probably inherited from her mother. Summer turned and glared at him. Joe wondered just how long he had been standing there, staring at her. Summer, Joe said, stammering a little. If you're not doing anything tonight, how would you like to go out with me? The glare dropped from the girl's face, replaced by open-mouthed surprise. I was thinking we could go out to dinner, Joe said, and maybe catch a movie? You pick, Joe quickly added. Uh, no chick flicks, though. I think there's a new horror movie out. Do you like uh, horror movies? The girl's look had changed and she now wore a sly smile on her face. But it was her eyes that caught his attention. There was a weird, hungry look about them. So what do you say? Joe continued. But he was already starting to have his doubts about this plan, as the girl continued to stare at him, and now licked her thin lips. Oh my God, Joe thought. What have I gotten myself into? Yeah, Joe said half-heartedly. You can ride around in the squad car and impress all your friends. The smile dropped from the girl's face, and she turned away. I don't need your p p pity, she said quietly. It's not like that, Joe said. But the girl wasn't listening. Instead, she returned to the mundane task of washing dishes. I was just trying to do something nice, Joe said, but the excuse sounded weak even to him. Defeated, Joe exited the kitchen. Damn it, he said quietly, once the girl was out of earshot. If Martin were here... He could have taken them both out, and maybe his offer wouldn't have come across as so awkward and weird. Where the hell was Martin, anyway? His absence felt curiously suspicious. Joe shrugged. This was a battle for another day. He gave Rosie and Emily some money for their outing, and then left the women to fend for themselves. It seemed like the best a man could do.